she is Katie. And he's Ben. And we have so many opinions. Opinions abound. They do. They do. They abound and they are rhythmic and magical. Much like what we're going to talk about today. Rhythmic. That is the word. Well, percussive. Percussive, yeah. That is also a good descriptive (laughs) word for it. Um, Audience, we're going to do another bonus pod um, reviewing another quarantine album. The quarantine album, I would even venture to say. (laughs) Them are fighting words. Well, that's I came prepared to fight if necessary. (laughs) You can Um, kick me under the table as much as you want, Katie. Are you saying that you won't shut up, Ben? I you won't. won't. <laughs> That's a good segue. Can I? I'm going to explain the rationale for picking this album. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, audience. So we obviously, many of you listened. We reviewed Taylor Swift's quarantine album, which actually came out after this album so we are reviewing fiona apple's fetch the bolt cutters and to me they seemed like logical sort of comparisons they're both quarantine albums um they're both female singer songwriters although definitely in very different genres um and i think they're kind of separate poles of what a quarantine album could look like um yeah. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty good. Uh, let me give the particulars while I process that, because I, I think I have something I want to say to it, but I don't know exactly what it is yet. Um, of course. Are you going to explain the 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 way in which this album was released? No, I'll leave that oh. to you. Um, but I will talk about that, as you said, it is Fetch the Boat Cutters, Fiona Apple, her fifth studio album. Released on April 17th of 2020, primarily recorded in her house in Los Angeles, although uh, she did also visit Sonic Ranch in Texas and a couple other places in Los Angeles to, to lay down some of the musicianship on it. The personnel for this is Fiona Apple, all vocals, or vocals on all tracks, or some backing vocals that I will touch on here in a moment. She played the piano, the Casio drums, percussion, layered backing vocals, which is pretty obvious. Played the Mellotron, Metal Butterfly, Timpani, Wurlitzer, Bells, Chairs, Stomps. And um, one of the instruments on here is she finger drummed on a box that contained the bones of a dog of hers that had passed away. Yeah, Sebastian Steinberg. Uh, played bass. He also did some percussion, claps, guitars, backing vocals, played the 12-string guitar. Amy Allen Wood came in and played some drums and percussion and the water tower. Um, David Garza. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to throw in some backing vocals by Cara Delevingne and her dogs. Yes. Mercy, (laughs) Maddie, Leo, Alfie. Uh, Maud Margaret or Maggart, excuse me, Maud Maggart also did, which is her sister, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, David Garza did a bunch of percussion, mellotron, backing vocals, electric guitar, piano, water tower, other stuff. And he also 
helped design the album cover, which is a photo that she took of herself several years ago. Excellent. So have you processed what I, what I said yet? <laughs> well, uh, I don't necessarily think that they are in opposite genres. No, but, but that's not what I meant. I meant that they're yeah. opposite. They're both artists who are known for very opposite genres, even though these albums are sort of more in similar genres. How yeah, about that? That's fair. Um, and I, I, I'm probably going to step into it here with an English major on this, but that's okay. Um, I think that the difference between these are between high art and low art. Honestly. Okay, I mean, we can have that debate. I, I certainly see where you're... I would be interested to know how you would position them as high versus low art. Like, are you saying that, that Folklore is more low art because it's more of like a popular album, yeah. a pop album? Yeah, not that there's anything inherently wrong with writing a pop album. Um, it's just, uh, you know, both of them, I think, are artistic in our art. So I'm not making that argument. It, it's just... This Taylor one is no well, this is nowhere near as commercial. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's it's yeah. it's not nearly as slick as folklore. Yeah. But it is cohesive. It's very it's actually very well produced too. I mean the the layering and the production values on this are really good. Yeah. So it's just not uh, when we did the the Taylor Swift review. I said I wanted to, to hear Taylor Swift, the artist, more because I felt like I was getting a lot of Taylor Swift, the, the businesswoman, and I applaud her for that. I feel that the, the this is all Fiona Apple, fucking the artist coming through and none of the businesswoman. That's really funny. I was thinking of that. It was another rationale for picking this album for us to review because I was like, this is the album that Ben wanted Taylor Swift to write. Yes. <laughs> I don't know that she could write this. I don't think she could either. But but this is what it, you're what you're looking for. That like yeah, totally. soul tearing. I mean, it's not even the most soul tearing of of Fiona Apple's albums, but she, she sings with a certain kind of um, rawness. It's very raw compared to some of her other stuff. Yeah, because I mean, she has a wonderful voice. I think her voice is better than Taylor Swift's too. Um, and that's a personal choice. That doesn't that kind of a throwaway line honestly but even as raw as this is it can't hide the beauty and power of her voice and that's kind of amazing in and of itself and speaks to the, the vocal quality that she has but despite that despite the that this is a that there are shades of darkness and pain and frustration on this album it is an oddly hopeful album too mm. Yes, it is very hopeful. Um, even with, you know, the, the title track, the title tracking song, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Do you know the story where that title came from? I do. But why don't you tell <laughs> Can I? I'll, I'll tell the listeners. I, I did my research this time because I have less to do at the moment. <laughs> um, Fetch the Bolt Cutters came from Fiona Apple was in her house watching um, The Fall with her roommate, which is a, a British television show um, starring Gillian Anderson and um, 
what's his face? That hot guy from <laughs> Jamie Dornan, that guy. Anyways, um, so Jillian Anderson was rescuing a, a, a girl who was trapped in a cage somewhere. And she says, fetch the bolt cutters. And, and Fiona was like, that's going to be the title of my album. Yep. Wrote it down immediately. I love that story. Wrote it down on her blackboard. That really just, it, that is a cool story because it just shows how artists think and what hits us. Cause, and there's been all kinds of stuff things that have hit me in such a way, not that I consider myself an artist necessarily, um, that I've written down and been like, I've got to do something with that. The difference is, is Fiona Apple actually did something with it, whereas I just have like fucking weird sentences and sayings written down on shit all over the place. Still part of being an artist. Maybe if you had a record deal, you would turn it into something. Maybe, maybe. Somebody wants to give me one, feel free to. I don't have any artistic abilities musically other than a decent voice. But uh, yeah, I could make some avant-garde bullshit. Yeah, so do you buy my rationale for choosing this album? Totally. I mean, you know, I, I could be a dick and be like, dude, every album that came out this year is a quarantine album. But, you know. No, but there's something about this, like the the um, the rawness, the kind of like, it is very produced, but the the kind of attempt to make it sound not produced, there's something very quarantine-y about that. It, there is, but it also came out so early in the quarantine and had been recorded, before, uh, pretty sure she started the recording process before the quarantine, and she had been kind of a recluse a little bit, and like, yeah. I, I don't want to use the term shut-in, but kind of had Howard used it up a little bit, staying sure. in her house and everything, so it's almost like the moment caught up with her, as opposed to it being a reaction to the moment. That's a good point. But it just happened to both artist and the moment coalesced beautifully. Yes. 100%. I have to give a shout to to my friends who introduced this album to me. I I know that that at least one of them is listening. So Shout out to friend listening. Whoop whoop. Um uh, it, I'll I'll bring them up more when we go through the songs because there's one song specifically that really makes me think of them. But cool. <laughs> so this is, I mean, this is one of those albums that um, when I was younger, I don't know if I would have appreciated as much as I do now, because um, I think that I would have thought of it just as art for art's sake or a critic album. You know, one of those albums that doesn't really have a whole lot of commercial appeal, but critics love because of how brave it is and everything else. And not that I think this isn't brave. Um, and maybe I've, I've just reached a point in my life where like a music critic, I've listened to so much stuff that's things like this that really stick out. I have a greater appreciation for. But I would put this up there with the stuff that Frank Zappa was putting out there that is so unapologetically authentic that that has an, a value to me. I don't think anyone would accuse Fiona Apple of being anything but unapologetically authentic, except for maybe Criminal, which is her most pop kind of song. Well, that was also her first album when she was a teenager too, though. I know, but do you know that why that song is on the record, right? Why don't you explain? Because the record label wanted a more commercial hit and so that's where Criminal came from. 
Yes. It's a bop, though. It is. I love that song and uh, that video, as I said uh, in a previous episode. <laughs> um, but I mean, honestly, if you want to get a, a a shot of her vocal power and just the pure quality of her voice, listen to her cover of um, Across the Universe. Mm. That is so gorgeous. She's got a lot of... Um... Something that I really appreciated, especially listening to this album, she's got a lot of texture in her voice and she's not afraid to just like go for it. Um, I, I don't know. Where do you think that rasp is coming from? Years of smoking? Maybe. I mean, I don't know if she smokes, but it, it's, it could just be an age thing too. Could be. I, I feel like you kind of heard... It, part of it seems to be in her speaking voice, it, but it's a lot more pronounced now, which makes sense with the age thing. Yeah, and it could also be smoking. But she's always had a, a I don't want to say, I've said that a lot this episode. I don't want to say, but I'm going to. Um, <laughs> ben, why aren't you drinking, by the way? Um, why am I not drinking? Just because the polls haven't closed yet. That's why I'm not drinking. So I'm saying, listeners, it's election night, so I've got the wine out. She's got the wine out. Um, she's always had a bit of a huskiness to her voice, a little Absolutely. bit of a lounge, lounge singerness to it, and I just see it as an evolution of that. Yeah. Isn't that what I just said? Probably. <laughs> Sometimes I just re-say what you say, Katie, what you got on. Yes. Uh, but I mean, that's how you, the mark of someone who's sat in a graduate seminar. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. How can I say this? What you said, just reframe it. Let me reframe your context. Sometimes I catch myself when I do it and I'm like in the middle of what I'm saying. I'll be like, oh, I'm literally just saying what you just said. But you don't know it always. No, sometimes it's just a reaction. <laughs> You said it much more eloquently, I have to say. Oh, well, thank you. Yes. So thank I'm you glad you rephrased you. what I said. <laughs> well, you're welcome. <laughs> I had to provide a service here. Wow. <laughs> Fetch the bolt cutters. That is an earworm. Oh, they're all earworms, honestly. Well, what I was going to say is uh, something that I find to be a similarity between the two albums is that it is very, like folklore, it's very sonically cohesive as well yeah i again i feel that this is much more personal than folklore which is yeah. not a shot at taylor swift it's just a different type that... of of feeling but i yeah. just mean i just mean the way in which there are definite like musical themes that are throughout the whole album well i that's true and we should touch on those but i actually want to talk about the lyrics a little bit before we do because i I stated when we did the Taylor Swift that the, every song has like some line that is just beautifully lit, written. Mm -hmm. That Taylor Swift, um, I think even said something about, you know, a graduate poetry student or something like this. <laughs> but yes. to me, this is kind of the other side of it. And I, I'm not a, a lit person, so I'm relying on you to kind of explain to dumb historian brain the peculiarities and differences in the various poetic forms. But this seems to be much more along the line of slam poetry or prose poetry or something like that, or free verse, in that it's still very poetic, but it doesn't necessarily seem to have a rhyming scheme or a, 
certain meter to it. But then it does because she layers everything into rhythmically with the music. Now, of course, some of the songs do have a very definite um, rhyming scheme and, and meter to them. So I'm not saying that, but there just seems to be a lot more free form consciousness in the writing of this more akin to um, Hunter S. Thompson or some of Henry Rollins stuff than the more formulaic stuff that Taylor Swift is doing, the more true form. I think you're right. I mean, that's certainly a, a debate in in poetry, right? Like, what's is free verse more raw and real and 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 you know that can be debated anyways because anything is composed right yeah um but there does seem to be more of a uh yeah there's a, a rawness to the lyrics and immediacy on fiona's album that just taylor swift will always be too manicured for yeah and to me, that's not a, a, a criticism. And I like both styles. I think that they both have value. But Taylor Swift, it, 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 I, I think this came up in our conversation about her. There's just so much aesthetic control, imagery, like wrought images, which is just not a part of, of Taylor or Taylor Swift's, of Fiona's shtick or her style. Right. It is much more rhythmic. It's like she's kind of writing music or she's writing lyrics that are almost as percussive as the music she has said in interviews that as a kid she had ocd and would have to walk on the beat mm. and that's originally what drew her to piano was because it's a percussion instrument which i didn't really think of but if you think about it it really is true because you're pushing keys but then hammer a string and that's about as percussive as it gets did you read the same npr article that i read probably <laughs> at us that's right doing research <laughs> like the good good researchers that we are anyways right. but yes yeah that's an interesting detail right where it's like taylor swift has come out and, and talked about how she has felt like she's always had to be so in control of her image and and so i think you can see that it's interesting to watch that play out in the style of songwriting yeah i think that's fascinating i think it is too honestly um and i guess it's a natural comparison because we're doing it but i don't know that a lot of people would put uh taylor t sizzle and fiona apple in con in conversation with each other that often I don't think anyone would. I mean, maybe they would. They probably, those comparisons were probably made when Folklore was dropped only because it was like the next most successful female album that was dropped during right. quarantine. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, if we look at it, maybe critically too, but I think if we look at it from sales, again, because it's much more commercially aimed, that Taylor Swift wins that comparison. Fair enough. You know, I just think, well, here's writers who are more, who are concerned with different avenues, right? Taylor Swift wants to deliver to her fans when she has millions of young 
fans around the world, right? She's writing her music to sell to her fans. I think Fiona Apple is writing music completely for self-expression. Yeah, totally. And that's why I consider it a high art as opposed to low art. Yeah, I, I think that would be <laughs> the, the, I mean, I, I balk at that a little just because I don't like the politics of high versus low art, but well, yes, it does. It does fit the definition, certainly. Well, I, high, low, yes, the, the, that is problematic. But I mean, art for art's sake. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in the NPR article that we both read, she was like, you know, I'm I'm cool with not, this not having a release party or a, a build up to release or anything. I'm just going to drop it. And in fact, in later articles, she said she was uncomfortable with how much critical acclaim it was getting. That, that's because she wound up having to do interviews then, which she didn't really want to do. Right, whereas Taylor Swift is like chasing. She she wants that fucking, she wants that Grammy. Oh, for sure. For sure, 1,025%. And again, I don't think that makes them better or worse artists. I think it just makes no, them different. They're just different, yeah. I yeah. would agree with that, yeah. 100. Yeah. No disout. No disout? No disout. No <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So we have talked a lot about the comparison between the two albums. Mm -hmm. And we've spoken a little bit about this album. Um, What were your initial thoughts when you heard it? Did you hear it back in April? Because I'll admit I didn't. Um, I heard Fiona Apple had a new album coming out. And I was like, oh, cool. I like Fiona Apple. But then I just never got around to it until we decided to do it for this. I did not hear it in April. Honestly, I think I thought it came out at the same time as Folklore, but it did not. I didn't realize it had been out as long as it had been. Um, no, the first time I heard it was in my my friend's dining room. They put on they put on the CD and we started to listen to it. Sweet. Yeah. Shouts to them for actually buying physical product and supporting the artist in the only way that actually supports the artist. What, what? Aside from like buying merchandise and going to concerts, which aren't really which are not a real thing right now. No, no, no. They have like a stacked CD and record collection. Oh, final people, man. <laughs> what are your thoughts about vinyl people? I want to be one and I just am not. I also would like to be a vinyl person, but I need to get a record player first. Right, me too. And I'm, I just, for all the things that I do, and I have been involved in music and audio shit for most of my life there's something about deciding what fucking record player to get that i just am not confident about interesting i mean couldn't you just get like a cheap one and then if you felt like it wasn't good enough you could step up your game probably but i think that there and that's probably what i ought to do is just go buy a hundred dollar one and just fuck yeah. around with it and, and until i learned it but i think that also because of the fact that um and I'm probably wrong about this, considering they can outlast CDs. But I consider vinyl to be fragile, and so I'm afraid of buying an inferior record player than fucking up my albums. They seem fragile in my mind, too. I think that's because, like, there's something, right? Like, when you're moving vinyls, it's like, oh, my God, don't break them. <laughs> right. Well, you know, and, and the scratching, that's more what I'm concerned with, or the warping because the fucking bed that you lay them on or whatever the fuck it's called but anyway vinyl people can be stupid pretentious but any fandom 
um, book people can be very pretentious. CD people can be very pretentious. So I, I don't necessarily correlate the fact, but I would like to get into the vinyl thing. Although I do have a problem with space too. I mean. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I, I, you know what? Random side tangent. Sorry, I didn't realize I didn't. I, I will be so relieved when all these fucking, I'm, I stop getting all these fucking election text messages. <laughs> I have been guilty of some of that because I worked with the Andrew Goodman Foundation through my work with Curto to help get out the vote and encourage people to go vote and registration and, you know, request your absentee ballot. Oh, now it's too late to mail your absentee ballot in. So if you have one, take it and drop it off somewhere. But I'm with you on that. I like had to be like this morning after I had voted, somebody's like, are you going to vote today? It's like, I've already voted. They're like, awesome. Will you encourage your friends to vote? I've already done that. Awesome. Will you do this? It's like unsubscribe. <laughs> I'm saying like, I do understand the importance of it, but it, like for me, I'm like, well, there was no way I was not going to vote. And I was also going to vote for, you know, the humane candidate at this point. Um, and also, I don't know, I don't think I know anybody who, who actually was, has the attitude that they weren't going to vote. So who am I going to tell to vote? Everyone I know is voting. Well, I know some people who probably didn't vote, honestly. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Anyways. Some, uh, probably some of my hardcore libertarian or anarchist friends are, are of the opinion that it doesn't really matter, which in this election, I'm kind of like, hmm. I, I kind of figure sometimes that nah, not really in this one. I mean, all voting is harm reduction. So, and there is some harm that needs to be reduced in this country that uh, hopefully this election will address. Fingers crossed. Anyway, sorry for that tangent. Uh, back to what you were saying. People can be pretentious in, in all forms of fandom. I certainly have never been pretentious. Never. <laughs> I'd say with much sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> so yes anyway if, if like anybody who listens out here if your friend who is the vinyl person listens to this and wants to give a recommendation for baby's first record player have them you know, pass it on to you or to me and because i i do want to start getting into that hobby because i like the sound of records better than i like the sound of cds they really do just like they fill up a room in a really special way they do they're very warm like a nice glass of wine that you're consuming it's a good bottle of wine too i was like fuck it i'm buying a nice i mean not a crazy nice but a nicer bottle of wine right on right on well you never know what shit show is going to happen on election night that is true do you remember where you were in 2016 yeah i do in the same, apartment, same like place you are well now. not the same apartment i had a different apartment then um but yeah I was like, holy fuck, the asshole actually did it. I wasn't that surprised, honestly. But I was uh, working on a, um, a lecture in a collectivo in Milwaukee. <laughs> oh, collectivo. Oh, collectivo. Shouts, collectivo. Because, you know, I was listening to it with friends, I just sort of, I, the thing that I respond to most, I think, when I listen to this album is the music and less 
the lyrics are good, but I hear them less than I hear the 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 instrumentation of this album. Hmm. That's really interesting. I to me it's kind of hard to tease that out because she does use her voice in a lot of these as part of the music, in my opinion. I because a lot there's not a whole lot of call and response, but the way that she's repetitive with the hook. Mm-hmm. Um or the refrain and just uses that to emphasize the rhythm. Not on every track, of course, but um oh crap, what is the name of the one? <sighs> Relay. Yeah. I have them all for example. Too. Yeah. She does that really well in Relay. So I can see that um, because it, this is for kind of a sparse album. There's a lot of really intricate rhythmic parts to this. So I can understand hearing the music first. It's funny, honestly, because in some ways the instrumentation on T-Sizzle's album is probably less sparse, but feels fuller than as intricate as this is just because of what the instrumentation is. Yes. There's a lot more happening in, in musically in this, I would say. Yeah. Um, it just because it's, it's, it, I think it matches the mood of the album. It's like, th- there's a lot more chaos. I mean, organized chaos, obviously, but it's just like, like those piano riffs feel very chaotic. It feels like these songs could fall apart at any time, but they never do, and that's amazing. Yes, yes. <laughs> so yeah, I really like it. But yeah, the lyrics I I find harder to remember. Like the things that stand out to me are are basically just like, um, the uh the choruses in yeah. this album. Well, I mean, there's a lot on this album, too. I mean... Yeah, there's a lot. It's dense. Yeah. Um, 13 tracks, which compared to some albums, isn't a whole lot. And I don't remember how many of the other one, uh, how many T-Sizzles album had on it. But... Uh, you're right. They're, these are just so dense and there's so much going on. And some of these songs evolve in ways that it feels like another song has started, even though it really hasn't. Yes, which actually makes sense when you read about her songwriting process because she's like, oh, well, it's interesting how this album came together to like make this cohesive sounding album when it seems like she's kind of pulling bits and pieces of writings from like across her life. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, a song will start out about like being about one person and then it's like about somebody else. It's like never about the same person, which I find fascinating. That is that. I mean, Taylor Swift is like you've wasted so much. You could have had like fifteen more tracks out of this. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that also makes it seem like it's much more uh, intimate and really is her ruminating on her life and looking back at it and going, "Man, these are the things about these relationships that tie together." Or mm-hmm. Shamika, which is a great song about her being rejected by the popular girls at school and some other random person that said, why do you want to sit with him? You've got potential and how that stuck with her. And it. Shamika said I have potential. Yeah. 
Uh, and <laughs> exactly and that's just so cool in a lot of ways and it it really just because that's in some ways that's what we've done in these podcasts and we'll be talking about vpr we are connecting various things from these various episodes to tell the story of the person and this is the story of fiona or somebody very much like fiona in these individual songs and it, it's not contained except for maybe under the table to a, a particular incident or even Shamika, I guess, could you could make an argument as one particular incident, but it's a culmination of the events that make up a life. Yeah, which, you know, maybe just kind of speaks to the different, well, the different, I, I mean, to be honest, I guess Fiona is really not that much older than, than Taylor Swift. I mean, 13 years is, I guess, a pretty good gap, but maybe you, you come at writing an album from a very different perspective. Yeah, probably so. I mean, yeah. and I think, um, again, it's also different in that Taylor Swift is writing story songs effectively. So they have a much more uh, natural arc to them and what they're trying to say. They have to hit the story beats mm. where, mm-hmm. again, this is much more stream of consciousness. It feels yeah, like. Yeah, which I think is why it, I remember, like, I like all of the songs in this album. And I really, really like this album. It just isn't, like, there's nothing about the lyrics that I find easy to remember because I get more like I I feel like I'm more in a trance when I'm listening to this album if that makes sense Mm -hmm. it does it's it's not a it's not a a a knock on the lyrics I think they're all really interesting and really good and a lot of really interesting things happen it's just five listens in I'm just like not I haven't memorized them very easily well, and I think that that goes to the rhythmic construction too, because it is kind of meditative in that way. This is almost, I mean, it, the allusion to the title that you kind of took on, uh, spoke to earlier when they put the origin of the title is setting oneself free or being set free. And some of the lyrics and some of these songs she wrote coming out of meditation or in a meditative state almost. So I think that there is something almost transcendental about this album. I'm pouring myself more wine. Indeed. I let my wine breathe for 25 minutes like an adult. Wow. I don't think I've ever done that in my entire life. Come on, Ben. Get your pretentious wine drinking skills on. Hey, that is something I'm proudly lowbrow about because I learned to love wine from drinking table wines in Venice, Rome, and Paris, and they don't let that shit breathe either. And I also will pour to the brim of the cup because fuck you, I'm an adult. Pour to the brim of a that's ridiculous. <laughs> Whatever. I'm here to drink this thing, not look at it. I ain't here to pour more. Why not? <laughs> pouring is fun look at how attractive this wine looks in this glass and it does look very attractive <laughs> but it would look just as attractive with about uh double that amount in that glass because there's room i'm sure there's a, a reason for the tannins or something 
Oh, I'm sure. But I also blame capitalism and that you can make the wine go forward if you fill everybody's glass a third. Well, and level of ABV, Benjamin, come on. Indeed. <laughs> Anyways, should we get into the songs? Let's do it. Let us do it. What are your favorite tracks? Ooh, okay, I do have answers this time. Um, <laughs> I really like, I actually really like the first track. I really like I Want You to Love Me. Um, Under the Table, I like a lot as well. I, I feel a real like soul connection to that song. Um, oh, good. I like Ladies and I like Cosmonauts. Ladies, are- ladies, ladies, ladies. Ladies, 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 ladies. <laughs> that is a cool song. Uh huh. I'm sorry. I think I cut you out. Yeah, you said cosmonauts. Um, no, you did not cut me off. I was done. <laughs> oh, okay. It's it's interesting. I'll, again, like you said, there's not a bad track on here. My favorite one, um, ones I should say, are Shamiko under the table i love relay and the fact that she wrote that line at 15 holy fuck i know it's amazing uh rack of his i love because of how it subverts the the expectations and like uh, of the male rock star because that one is probably the closest one to like a taylor swift song because it's like this is obviously about somebody in the music business that she had a relationship with and everything it's like Look at that racket guitar next. And I thought he was going to wail on me like he wails on those guitars. Um, so I really like that. Newspaper. I love newspaper. Um, the aforementioned ladies and cosmonauts. Well, we have some mixtures in here. That's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we do. We do. I mean, I as mean, somebody who has a lot of opinions, I kind of feel the under the table, even though I can't really necessarily say that I've ever had anybody um, being white and male shut me down like a woman would have at a party but i have been like you need to be good at this party and, and keep your opinions to yourself so i mean and shamika is also very good it is yeah burr, burr, burr. <laughs> and i want you to love me really does an amazing job of summing up what the album was going to be in the three minutes and 56 seconds that it runs well it just like one, I really like the the piano line in it, which is repeated in some other songs in different ways. Just that like circular. I don't know. I just love it. Um, and I really like uh, that second. Yeah, the second um, verse, right? Which I move with the trees and the breeze. I know that time is elastic. I know when I go like it's just so that's such an interesting meditation on existence and sound and like now I'm getting like maybe I should take a hit man but (laughs) maybe (laughs) but I just really like it I think it's like so fascinating no it really is it's I, I keep using the term but again it's just that stream of consciousness it sounds like the way I think artistic people think mm. mainly, the- mainly because again, not to claim that I'm an artist, but I think in circular ways and, and 
in these connections and in these snippets that are combining different things. And so I really appreciate that. And you, your comment about the reoccurring piano form or the chord structure that goes throughout the sequencing and arranging of this album, you can't say enough of to make that work across an album. Agreed. I think you're right. I think artistic people, yeah, well, it depends, maybe it depends on the kind of artist that you are, but, but there, there's certainly a, an association with artistic people thinking in these kind of circles. I certainly do. Um, and I don't know, it's like almost these like half philosophical thoughts. Yeah, no, totally. It's somebody who's kind of on their bullshit, but it's a good bullshit to be on. It's a good bullshit to be on. Yes. So, I mean, also the song is just like, it really kind of introduces, and and I mean this as a good thing, the weirdness of this album. Like this album is going to be strange. Yes. But in a, like you were saying, in a good way. Yeah. I, I feel that you could, if you wanted to be, not that I want to be, but I think if you wanted to be a critic of this, you can be like, this is some manic pixie dream girl bullshit. Which, and, I, which I would, to which I would say, well, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the correct response. <laughs> because I, like all bullshit stereotypes, there is a little bit of truth to this. And some people are just like this. You know, and it and it's the reflection of the dude who's always chasing after the manic pixie dream girl that has really turned that into a kind of a, a slur. Do you know what movie that term was created for? Um, I don't remember what movie it was. I do know that it came from a movie. It was written um, in a review of Elizabethtown, a movie starring Kirsten Dunn. <laughs> Kirsten Dunst and Orlando Bloom. That is not very good. No. <laughs> I would like to say that I'm surprised giving the star power, but Orlando Bloom has been good in like four movies. So, you know, he had a lot of promise early on, and it just kind he's of. He's a pretty man. He's beautiful. Kirsten Dunst is a pretty good actress. I, I've enjoyed most of her stuff that I've watched. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a fan. And uh, Crazy Beautiful, both of those are really good. Oh, Crazy Beautiful. I've never seen Melancholia. Have you watched um, Marie Antoinette? I have not watched Marie Antoinette. Is it oh, good? she's so good in Marie Antoinette, yeah. Marie Antoinette was a, a film that did not get the credit it deserved in its time. Almost like Marie Antoinette herself. Correct. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> wow, all right. Did you notice the that Shamika and I want you to love me have a very, have that same piano theme? And not explicitly till you said it. Um, I did it clicked, but again, that's part of the the thing uh, I was talking about with the way it's that lower this, on the yeah, it's just lower on the piano. Sorry. Anyway, indeed, indeed. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. No, it's cool, but that was just uh, to my point about the the way that the songs kind of change, but they could also still be the same song. It's, it's just, just in this case, they were different songs. And it's it's lower and it's faster. Lower and faster, just the way we like it. Hey. <laughs> it's, hold on, I want to pull up the lyrics to Shamika because I feel like 
it's a really fascinating um I was thinking about this when I was listening to it this afternoon. It's like this fascinating meditation on the way things, the way that, that like things people say to you, like can really stick, stick to you and you can really hang your identity on those things. Yeah. Right. So like Tony told me, he described me as pissed off, funny and warm. Sebastian said, I'm a good man in a storm. Right? That's actually like, one of her bad mates when they got almost got busted for pot. But Sebastian that's right. Said, yeah. And and she she was like, I'm the little white girl. Give me the, give me the pot. <laughs> yeah, it's just true. It has. She has these like really interesting stories attached to each song. She does. Um, and for that particular song, and I didn't mean to interrupt you. So if you have other lyrics that you want to say, go ahead. Well, just you know, like it, it, they can be good. They can be bad things. But it's like we, she's speaking to like a really human tendency to like construct your identity around the way other people see you. Yeah. What I really like is the second verse. It might be the third verse. I used to march down the windy, windy sidewalk, slapping my leg with the writhing crop, thinking it made me come off so tough. I didn't smile because the smile always seemed rehearsed. I wasn't afraid of the bullies and that just made the bullies worse. I was like, damn because that seems so honest and whether she actually did that or not i don't know but that honestly does seem like it would be an entry from somebody's fucking diary it does well and and there the other thing that's so wise about it is she's sort of admitting that like as she's trying to not construct an identity she's constructing an identity yep totally it's a, it's incredible. A hundred percent. What do you think about her um, her kind of obsession with being in middle school? Well, I'm no psychologist, but I would say that something uh, really transformative happened to her in middle school. But I mean, we see that all the time in our culture. People obsess about high school, not necessarily middle school. But it's like, oh, in high school, I was on the team, and I. Blah, 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 blah. That's true. Do you think about being in middle school? No. I don't even think about being in high school, really. Um, but I, I do see it because I think that there is a sense, and I don't want to. I don't want to read too much into this again because I'm not a psychologist or anything. But I think there is a sense of that being the good old days when you were really you because you didn't have all the responsibilities and pressures and constructs of the adult life i disagree completely i think middle people think and talk or write about middle school as like one of the most horrific times in their lives i appoint you to glory days by bruce springsteen okay well just one example doesn't prove the rule ben come on (laughs) no it doesn't prove the rule but i mean I'm not talking about high school. I'm talking about middle school. Okay. Well, I can't think of any other thing I've ever encountered where somebody was writing about middle school. Right. Like middle school is when when you're negotiating how to behave in friend groups, how to behave, how to have friends, how to be in a clique. You're just in that stage before, like before, during, and after hitting puberty. And it's like awkward and horrible for everybody. Okay. Middle school is traumatic. Come on. Uh, I guess it wasn't that traumatic for me. 
Oh, okay. Wow. I'm, I'm, I mean, no, I'm not. I'm just saying. Um, I'm not dismissing it. Everything you say is true. But I also had a... Our middle school where I grew up was only two years. Okay. And I was living out of state for one of those years and still in um, elementary school because their elementary school went a year longer than ours did. Sure. So when I moved back, I was only in middle school for one year. I mean, yeah, I I went to the same school and from three until 14 so yeah but but I do think stereotypically it it is difficult in that way especially for young girls uh I can definitely see that I mean I'm not disagreeing with you I just don't have that experience myself fair enough I I do think high school is talked about and well I think you get high school talked about in both polls where either it was like the best time of your life or it was horrific right a tale of times (laughs) correct we had the jocks and we had the bad geeks correct yeah and i think that's fair and i think that that is just our obsession with youth in this culture maybe but um yeah i wouldn't say that my grade school experience was bad but i certainly in some ways the shadow of who I felt I was as a middle schooler still chases me it's like I I forget that I am a much stronger personality than I was when I was 11 10 10 11 12 years old Spice Ash the shadow of who you once was yes the shadow of who I once was so that reminds me of a, a song lyric by a different artist mm-hmm. um, by a much older album that I might have to have you review with us on here but it's Rodney Crown the song is riding out the storm but the line particularly is the ghost of who he might have been lives on inside his head mm-hmm. and I love that line and, and I think that speaks to the same thing you're talking about and the same thing that Fiona is referencing in her song um And so in that case, yes, I have to concede all your points because I think that what is mixing this up and and maybe not so much, and again, maybe I'm conflating the middle and the high school experience because to me, they were almost essentially the same, is that you're at a weird point where you don't necessarily know who you are, but you also begin to see the potential of who you could be and who you're supposed to be quote-unquote, supposed to be. I mean, to me, I would put that more in high school, but I guess maybe it starts earlier and earlier now, just the pressure of who you're supposed to be. Yeah. Um, I think in middle school, I mean, maybe it is the same pressure, but it feels so much more pared down where you're just like, oh, do boys like me? Mm-hmm. I think that Do my friends also... like me? Yeah. A- am I? Am I ugly? Am I pretty? See, that was all more in high school for me than it necessarily was in middle school. But I think your comment about the pressure and it being earlier, because even though I was incorrect on what our age gap was the last time we referenced it, you are younger than me. So it's possible that that 
where that inflection point had crept down into middle school, whereas to me, I still associate it with high school. Mm. And also, you were in a much more urbane environment than I was, too, with more people, because my graduating class was the biggest graduating class that we had had up to that point, and it was just a shade over 300 people. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, my graduating class in high school was only 264 or something like that. Okay. Yeah, it, I didn't go to a big high school. Well, it, at least I didn't graduate from a big high school. How about that? How about that? That sounds like a, another story entirely. I went to a public school for one year in Arizona. Ah, I was public all the way through. So, but other than that. <laughs> other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Huh? So other than that, Miss Lincoln, how was the play? dark it's taking a dark turn all right uh, it's election night well true one of my friends has been texting me and she was like i gotta stay off the internet i'm like yes please don't text me about it anymore <laughs> just kidding i love you if i don't think she listens to our podcast but if you do listen i appreciate you everything you say to me that's the bolt cutters mm-hmm. so what do you feel about this song fetch the bolt cutters i think it is a great choice for the title track of the album and it really kind of feels well, like i don't know she named what the order album she, bef- before she wrote the song um i don't know what order she constructed it in but it does she she, of- she named sorry ben I'm, I'm gonna interrupt you like unabashedly she named the album before she wrote the song yeah um so that kind of makes sense that this is the linchpin of the album because it's the title track and you can kind of see it as the support beam for the structure of the rest of the album. Well, I, I think she felt unsure. Like, if you read about what she wrote, she felt unsure about, like, writing a song that was the title of the album. She was like, is that lame? It can be, but it's not in this case. No, it works here. Well, I think it's, again, it's interesting. It's this interesting meditation on feeling trapped in a particular identity or place that she wants to like set herself free of well and that's something that i really found interesting in her remarks about it because she's like you know people were starting to say that i was a shut-in and i was a recluse and i was wondering if that was actually true or just what people had said and i had internalized it was i really a recluse and a shut-in or had i just found a place of peace that i preferred to be in without all the bullshit I think her answer is almost both things are true. Yeah. I think so, too. Um, And and that NPR interview, which let me see who conducted it, because I should give them credit for, since we refer to it so much. Um, Citing our sources. Yeah. Alsa Chang and Jonah Mehta and Jolie Meyer. I think it was... Anyway, I don't know which one of those three ladies it was, but they said something about when you find a home, it resonates with you and it's like being in, um, here it is. That's amazing. What a beautiful way to feel about a home, that the ultimate thing anybody would want to feel inside their house or their home, that feeling of, quote, I'm in my womb, end quote, you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah, true. And because I don't know that I've ever felt that way in any of the homes that I've lived in. 
But I do think that that's what people chase and what they mean when they say home. Because even though I live in this apartment and sometimes I will say home for shorthand because this is where I live, I don't mean it in that way. Doesn't feel quite like like home, sure. Yeah. I think you're right. I do think that's certainly a part of, I mean, obviously she talks about it in that interview, but, but I also really get the subtext of like kind of the way she was shot out of a can shot out of a cannon from her first album. And she feels trapped in this like prodigy status that was like immediately put on her and sort of slowly over time breaking free of that sort of like shoehorning of being an artist where it's like Taylor Swift is like trying to prove that she's the prod prodigy that that people said she was she's like trying to hold on to that and and Fiona's like oh I want to like be away from that yeah um but it's interesting because Taylor was able to, if Taylor had ever felt trapped, and she might, well, I don't think she would ever admit it, but she was yeah. also able to escape her genre real early. What I'm saying is that I don't think Taylor wanted to escape from it. I'm saying that Taylor wants to hold on to that, right? Like she wants to hold on to that identity that like, right? She's got to continue to prove that she can do whatever it is she sets her mind to. Sure. But again, I have to say that I think that that's part of her transcending uh, a music genre pretty young and breaking out into something wider. Mm -hmm. Whereas Fiona kind of came out in the pop scene if for no other reason than criminal and maybe she didn't really want to be, maybe she just wanted to kind of be the singer songwriter kind of niche artist, but then blew up into something really big and didn't necessarily want to be, because I mean, this came out in 96, so it, that a title did. And so that is around the same time as we're, we're getting a lot of the Lilith Fair crowd going on. And I think just because she was a woman, she was kind of lumped into that. And I don't know that that is the best fit for her. And so I can see considering that constraining and then that being such a big hit and being like, okay, well now you got to follow it up. Because one of the, the things that really shocked me was the fact that since 96 to now, she's only had the five albums. Yeah. It's not very, she's not super prolific. She is not. I would say that all of them are really good. To me, she, I don't know if you've heard her or not, because she only had like two albums, but did you hear the artist Poe? Mm-mm. Well, you should look her up. And then we can oh. talk about her sometime. Poe, P-O-E, like the writer. Like, like, like the writer. Yes, I'm familiar. <laughs> I thought you might be. Jesus. That was for our <laughs> audience, not you. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> like Edgar Allan Poe for our audience. For our audience. We are now just past spooky season. You should read the purloined letter, audience. You should. Mm -hmm. It kicks off the the uh, detective genre. Anyways. 
Polish, that's your uh, your your that's, litter, huh? Polish, a that's Katie's literary corner. <laughs> that's your literary trivia for the evening. Yes. It's not his creepiest story, though. That's for sure. No, no. Um, Mask of the Red Death. Read that too, because it sums up the fucking moment that we're living in, motherfuckers. <laughs> God, I'm scared to check Twitter. Anyways. <laughs> well, I just meant more the pandemic, but also possibly that. Well, yeah. All right. So next up we have Under the Table. Under the Table, which is not how it goes. Um, I love Under the Table. Me too. That might be my favorite song on the album. Oh, God. I just love the line, I would beg to disagree, but begging disagrees with me. I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It speaks to who I fundamentally feel like I am as a person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can definitely see that. Why can you see that? That's because I think that that is who you present yourself as or as a person. Who I present? <laughs> oh, uh-oh. <laughs> I'm not saying that you're not that as a person, but I mean. To me, my favorite link, a line in there, link, shit, line, um, is that I told you I didn't want to go to the center. You know I didn't go for the, the ones that you bother about. So when they say something that makes me start to simmer, the fancy wine won't put the spire out. So yeah. it's like, I didn't even want to fucking be here. So when somebody starts acting a fool, don't expect me to play nice. Love that. Love that sentiment. I do too. It's a, It's a... It's a a great sentiment i also like cookie don't you push don't push me don't you push me <laughs> yes yes um okay so here's a story involving my friends so my friends who introduced me to this album they have um their son is three and every time the song comes on you just hear this like sweet three-year-old little voice singing the chorus kick <laughs> under the table you i won't shut up I won't shut up. It's so, but it's all I can associate with this song, really. Um, and they're like trying to, you know, be like, "Oh, we don't say shut up," but they're like, oh, "It's it's lost. It's it's too yeah. far gone at this point." <laughs> you can't listen to that song and say you don't shut up when that is like repeated so eloquently over and over again. Yes, it was a very. It's just I hear the sweet little boy voice singing. <laughs> I won't shut up. I'm, so yeah word why is this your favorite song um just because of that sentiment i i much like you feel that the opening lines of the song match who you believe you are as a person that whole of don't expect me don't expect to make me do something that i didn't want to do that me play nice i really feel that that is who i am as a person so i too find it empowering well, well why do you think do you, so you don't think that i'm this disagreeable i don't think you're that disagreeable i think that you certainly have a line that if you are pushed across you become that disagreeable but i don't think that's your default setting interesting uh, too too feminine for this too midwest nice she says as she processes that by drinking her wine 
Now you've just never seen me really get on my like really. Have not seen you on your bullshit. Mm-mm. Well, I don't necessarily want to see you on your bullshit. We need to get Holland in on this. I'm sure she's seen moments of this flare up. True, true, but uh, <laughs> I don't want to put baby in the corner. So. <laughs> Listen. Um, I can certainly be very Midwest polite and, and nice, Midwestern nice, but uh, I mean, do you remember, uh, you, do you remember like when we were working in the library, some people who we worked with, mm-hmm. I had a line there. Okay. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm not saying you're a wallflower or a pushover. Uh, I just uh, don't view you as overly combative unless forced to be so. Hmm. I'm so glad to hear you say it. (laughs) Glad to hear somebody say it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I could be that somebody. Listeners, it's... Well, I, I would say it's both true and not true. It depends on the shade of me that you're getting. Well, I mean, we are all multiple people to multiple people. So, I mean, I get that, but I, I can only speak to you from my experience with you. I understand. I thought you would. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so under the table, a favorite of, of both of us. Yes, without a doubt. Relay, what did you think of that? I mean, I, I every time I listen to Relay, I'm just like always distracted by the um, sampling. That's understandable. My cat or my cats. Um, I, although I I don't know that I could sing the the song that is sampling, even though I feel like it's just like embedded in my mind. Yeah, I don't think I could either. Um, but it is a great line. Evil is a real life sport when the one who's burnt turns to pass the torch. Mm-hmm. It's a such a great line about the way victimization has passed on. Correct. I mean, uh, have you found yourself in this situation where you you have a situation that's not resolved and then you turn around and you do it to somebody else? Um, I don't know, necessarily know that I've done the same thing to somebody else, but I, I'm sure that, I mean, you know, it's the simplest thing in the world. You have something shitty happen to you, so that puts you in a shitty mood, so then you're shitty to somebody else. So it doesn't have to be exactly the same thing that burned you that you that burned somebody else with. Although it can be. I mean, if we're talking about the darkest timeline, then yeah, definitely. I mean, I know several people, unfortunately, who were abused in their youth who then became abusers. And that's heartbreaking. And um, it's the darkest timeline of that song. But even without going that deep into it, like I said, just uh, passing the funk on in some other form. True. 
All right. Well, I guess we don't really have that much to say about the song other than like generally we like it. Yeah. I mean, though, that's honestly, that's kind of how I feel about a lot of these songs. Is Yeah. Same. Because they're all really good and they're intricate in different ways and rhythmically complex. And unless we did a like true deconstruction of each one, which I will admit that I have not listened to this album enough to really be able to do. There's not a whole lot that I can say about them. Mainly yeah, because it's like again, this weird, it's this weird. Maybe that's like a sign that it's working because there isn't that much to say about them. I don't know. No, I think so. I mean, I think that they are deceptively simple. Yeah. Um, because a lot of them don't, there are a few that are very lyrically dense and that there's a lot of lyrics too, but a lot of them are kind of minimalist, but they just have so many different things going on in different layers that, you know, it's like, oh, well, the time signature on this one and the polyrhythmic section where they're doing this and this and this. Again, I haven't listened to it enough to do that. And honestly, I don't know that our audience wants to hear us do that. We hope not. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, okay, so Rack of His is a favorite of yours. I do enjoy that one. Mm-hmm. Again, too. just because of the subversion of the, the sexual tropes in it. Yeah, it's nice. It's good. Way to go. <laughs> Very much so. What are your thoughts on newspaper? Because that seems to be the uh, reaction to having been gaslit and then seeing someone else being gaslit by the same person. Oh, I definitely related to the song, certainly. Um, I think it's an interesting, you don't often get this character of, I think the stereotypical character in a spurned lover song is like the jealous like oh like I don't know like the before he cheats like I'm gonna get back at him or I'm gonna get back at the woman or yeah um I I feel like you don't often get it from this point of view where the identification is from woman to other woman which I like I like that kind of inversion as well yeah, do too, especially the line, what lies is he telling to you to make you not like me? Yeah. So, or um, the moment that he kissed us, it was over for us or whatever that that mm-hmm, line mm-hmm. is too. Just again, really powerful. Um. Well, and then, oh, we were cursed the moment that he kissed us. From then on, it was his big show, right? It's like, yeah. It's like being caught up in in the this like clearly sort of narcissistic characters bullshit, right? And and how easy it is to get caught up in that. Yes, the uh, person who shall not be named. So, <laughs> are we thinking of the same person? I'm pretty sure we are. <laughs> we will confer oh. off off of the record. Yes, we will will confirm. (laughs) I don't know if I was necessarily thinking of that person specifically. It's happened to me enough times. (laughs) Sure, sure. But um, yeah, there's a lot of that out there, I guess, unfortunately. Well, I actually, I don't stay friends with with 
people I've been involved with or like my exes enough to have this to have had this experience to be quite honest mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's good I guess <laughs> you I roll mean, your eyes well I, I don't roll my eyes I, I'm just because I and different time and place different people but I am friends with most of my exes so so have you had this experience of this woman in this song? <laughs> I I saw her kiss you and then it made me want <laughs> to love you. Um, I can't necessarily say that I have. Just like a moment of identification with the next guy. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe I've experienced it on small levels, but nothing quite so uh important yeah <laughs> as this and then we get ladies 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 ladies, ladies i just love that ladies 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 i mean thematically it's kind of it it it's sort of um attached to newspaper right they kind of go mm-hmm. hand in hand right this like yep you know all of like trying to kind of get these women to come together and not be sort of in major competition with one another i just yeah. really like the end line of um of the chorus right yet another woman whom i won't get through <laughs> right right it's grammatically correct too just i was like wow uh, throwing that whom in here the nerd don't wrong with this one <laughs> I'm just saying, like, whom is going to disappear from the English language? That's sad. I like whom. Well, it's just not as... um, It's not as efficient, you know? Yeah. To whom? Who that? Object of a preposition. (laughs) Exactly. And the objective... I'm sorry. Okay, anyway. (laughs) I'm a grammar nerd. I'm sorry. You have nothing to apologize for, my dear cuter than a button it's a good line <laughs> it's just yeah i like how she's like really relaxed on this one too ladies 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 that almost feels like it's a mocking way in which a man would say the same thing oh my god i know i i like was getting ptsd mm-hmm. hearing men be like ladies <laughs> right hey hey or hey girls Mm, yeah, I, I have a feeling that she uh, felt exactly the same way. I bet she did. I, I, you know, it's weird. In some ways, I think I relate viscerally a lot more to to Fiona Apple's like shtick, where it's like Taylor Swift's is something that I'm really attracted to, but I actually relate a lot more to Fiona. I have a thought as to why. Why is that? I think Fiona is a lot more honest. It's a lot more from the gut, from the gut visceral reactions. Yeah. Whereas uh, Taylor's still kind of selling the mythology. And mythology can be fun. It can be. No, I, and uh, that is not meant as a diss towards her. No, I know. But, just saying. I'm just saying. Yes. Yeah. Um. Do we get 
a heavy vocal on newspaper? Did we skip that over? I don't think so. Um, it's somewhat repetitive in that it's that yeah. really strong chorus that is emphasized on newspaper. Yeah, anyways, okay. Heavy Balloon. Honestly, I don't remember anything about Heavy Balloon. <laughs> I was going to say I can't remember the goddamn song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is not to say that it's bad. No, I mean, it fits in. I, oh, I just... or it's like, I spread like... I spread like strawberries i climb like peas oh, and beans is that one yeah 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 that one i was just like this is really weird but okay <laughs> it's kind of trying to like do a take on that like child like story telling line of it i guess you know like it's yeah. like a line you would read in a children's book for sure she busted out i was i don't know where i caught this one i don't remember if it was the in the npr interview or in a different one where like she's like well strawberries are a rhizome so that's where i got spread like strawberries and i was like what the fuck <laughs> yeah fiona apple's just busting out rhizomes as a <laughs> all right apple is about the learning yo <laughs> just about that learning about that knowledge she is okay so why do you like cosmonauts I just really, A, I think it's an awesome evocative title in a way that newspapers, I guess, is, if you think about it the correct way, even though she doesn't even remember how she came up with the, uh, the title for that one. So I think that's really good. I and really like... This is one of the lyrical, heavy lyrical songs on the album. Yeah, I really like the tension in the song because it was supposed to be about like a couple that was meant to be together forever, but Fiona Apple just can't fucking write that song. <laughs> right. I love it. <laughs> and then just like the, towards the, the, I guess it's the chorus because it doesn't necessarily have the same structure. Maybe it's the refrain, the but it started, started off, started off. Yeah. And just the, that, repetition again the rhythmic repetition of these short little snippets of words and how they play into the songs yeah i like it i like it because um, you and i will be like a couple of cosmonauts except with way more gravity than when we started off like fuck me that is powerful well it's right she has a sense of like it can reach a soaring height but it's going to come back down because it has to because mm. nothing lasts Who wants to live forever, Katie? Well, Fiona Apple doesn't want to be in a relationship forever. I mean, she's not going to be because none of us will. Well, no, but you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. She doesn't have that kind of starry-eyed, like... Life made her this way, Katie. <laughs> or just even the desire. I really like the... Um... Well, for the opening line is really good, right? Your face ignites a fuse to my patience. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's really Whatever good. It's going to be wrong. That is so good. Yeah. And we've all been there, right? Oh, so. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, really? You, you, I don't know, like you said, or no, you, uh, I don't know. What's a dumb example? Like, oh, really? You're going to open the door that way? You're going to open the door that way? Well, fuck you. <laughs> yeah yeah i hate you um 
when you resist me, hun, I cease to exist because I only look the way I look when I look into your eyes. Just like, oh, damn. Yeah. When you come back, you command me like the penetration of the sun. Oh. It's like this desire to like, it's like a really old school classical kind of moment in her writing, right? Like the the desire to be seen through the eyes of the beloved or the lover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways. No, keep on going. I like your breakdown. Um, why cosmonauts and not astronauts, do you think? I mean, other than the fact that it sounds better and there's it, it works better with the assonance or the consonants, excuse me. That's a really good question. Um, I think it probably is just because of the way that it fits. Me too. But it's interesting to think about. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, if there is a deeper meaning to it, I haven't sussed it out, so I don't know. It's probably not. I just was interested in throwing it around. All right, what about for her? For her. I love the lyrical play, the way that she describes things in this. Like just the opening, look at how feathered his cocks are. Now seems his frocks are. I mean, that is like not quite Dr. Seuss, but it, it puts me in the mind of it. Sure. Well, and this is just like pure vocal, right? It's just like like vocal layered on vocal, layered on vocal. Yeah. And I think that this is kind of a a reflective. This is her imagining the outsider looking at her. Mm. Uh huh. You arrive and drive by like a sauced up bat. <laughs> like you know you should know, but you just don't know where it's at. Yeah. So I mean, just. <laughs> Good women like you. I'm sorry. I can't remember this song at all, except for the opening two lines. <laughs> right. Um, apparently, this is a really dark song for her. Oh, I mean, obviously, you raped me in the same bed your daughter was born in. That's a pretty dark line. Yeah. That gets to that the end a- where it where it almost turns into a different song, and then it's like referencing God. What is the musical that it's referencing? It's sampling a musical. Good morning, good morning. Yeah, I am familiar with it, but I don't know the name of it. It's like Doris Day who sings that, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I do think it is kind of a combination of different things, but that is a. Like you said, not only very dark, but incredibly blunt and powerful. And really speaks to the way that until recently, marital rape wasn't even considered a fucking thing in this country. So. Yikes. Anything more to say about that? No, they kind of... Turn it into a heavy balloon. <laughs> nice. 
Thank you. <laughs> Drum set. This is another one that uh, is an interesting song, but one that I don't really remember. Like the drum set is gone, the rug it was on, it's still screaming at me. When did you take it all away? Or why did you take it all away? Excuse me. So, um, but another, yeah, not the same, but close enough, I guess, for government work. I did nothing wrong. And it's, it's one of those where you're taking something physical and using that as the representation for something that is not physical. I really like that. The metaphors arise. The metaphors arise. Well, it, it arose out of something literal because literally she wrote this after her friend took the drum set out of her. <laughs> yeah. She said she sang this song all in one take. That's impressive shit. Mm-hmm. So way to go, Fiona. Um, yeah, I, I guess I would say that the end of the album, except for Ladies and Cosmonauts, it, it does kind of all blur together for me. Yeah, because there's still like when the one track on I go and I don't really remember anything about that one either. Yeah. Uh, I'm again, and it's just, I mean, us going through the songs individually didn't really do them justice because we just didn't have no. a whole lot to say about them. Yeah. And. again I think some of it is when we did that with the Taylor Swift A I had written down my impressions of each and every one of the songs which I did do for this the first time I was listening to it because I was driving but these kind of defy first impressions in a way that the Taylor Swift album didn't because again Taylor's writing story songs so there's really something to respond to Yeah, and these are a lot more obtuse, but simple at the same time. So they require a deeper, or at least for me, they required a deeper level of processing what I thought about them. Agreed. Well, I mean, I obviously did not process the Taylor Swift album as much as you had. So, <laughs> but no, I agree um, for the most part. All right. So, but not entirely. Well, where do we go now? Well, uh, do we grade this thing? I mean, did we grade the last one? I don't know if we did. We did grade the last one. Okay. Um, Then we should grade this one to be consistent. (laughs) All right. What grade are you giving this album, Benjamin? A plus. A plus. Can you break down your, your categories again? Um. Yeah, I think so. So an A plus <laughs> is an album that has been delivered onto us by the musical gods. Oh my god! An A is a great album. An A minus is a really good album. B plus, solid album. B, good album. Um, and then you know it goes down from there until you get to something that like a C would be. This is this album has some cool stuff on it, but. There's a lot of filler tracks, and unless you're a fan of the album, skip it. Or, I mean, a fan of the artist, skip it. I am also inclined to give this album an A or an A+. It's very, very good. It, it Well, it is. And I guess in some ways I'm a sucker for this kind of thing. It's musically complex, 
there's lyrical complexity and a, a, at least the assumption on my end of a deeper meaning. Um, and I'm not there saying- There is a deeper meaning. Uh, well. Well, you know what I'm saying though. Yeah. Some people will say, oh, well, yeah, those lyrics have really deep meanings to you maybe, but they didn't translate, whereas this did translate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that 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 whole argument that kind of is one of the pillars of, of your discipline of which is correct, the audience's interpretation of the work or the artist's rendition of the work. Well, I mean, if you're reading Barth, the author is dead. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm more inclined to, unless you're really good at being in control of your work, then, then, well, I mean, that's, I don't know. I don't know what I think about. It. I think about a thousand things about this subject, but I think it is going to be mostly subject to interpretation. Sure. Sure. And that's why I said that. I mean, this checks all my boxes. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I really, really um, am happy to have listened to this album. And I want to more intimately um, dig into Fiona's uh, discography after this. I agree with that. I do Which too. I have to, I have to admit, I am not as familiar with as I wish I were. Well, I mean, the good thing about it is we live in an age where doing so is incredibly easy. This is true. So that's something that I rag about on my other music podcasts all the time, especially when reviewing something older, because there was a lot of stuff that I didn't listen to back in the day because I actually had to go out and buy a fucking physical copy of it. And I still, and I will buy a physical copy of this. I just haven't gotten around to it yet because I like it that much. And it's something that I think I do need in my collection because it, it really is. I mean, this is, I, it's not, I don't necessarily think it's as good as Miles Davis's best stuff, but I do think that it is pretty fucking close. And, pretty damn uh, good yeah yeah so that's that that is that what are we going to do next time for like our special episodes or like in terms of season, our third season well i think our third season is uh well let's talk about both okay well our third season is on the horizon We'll we'll be we'll be starting the third season of Vanderpump Rules. So if you are planning to watch with us, um, please get ready to view season three. Yes, all thirty-seven thousand episodes of season three. <laughs> oh my god! Looked. I haven't looked to see how many episodes are actually in season three, so it may not be appreciably longer than the second season. It's just as long as the second season was. Okay. So, well, I know at some point they actually get into like the twenties, and I'm like, uh. But yeah. <laughs> Listen, that first season was seven episodes, eight if you count like the reunions and bullshit. They doubled it in the second season and didn't have enough plot to cover all of that. Listen, Ben, I'm just saying, I think that you <laughs> like this 
more than you it will admit that you like it. I enjoy spending the time with you and talking shit about it, but as far as the actual watching of it, mm, some episodes yes, other episodes no. <laughs> but we're learning so much about the human condition. We are. I know what a condition my condition is in. <laughs> um, special forthcoming episodes. I, do we have a- any other ones that I'm missing? We haven't discussed anything yet. So no, I guess is the answer. Well, be on the lookout, audience. If you have two, like uh, an, a special topics episode that you would like us to cover, shoot it our way. Yeah, well, we have opinions about a lot of things and, and we'll be happy to go into them. If you want to hear us to do, to do, if you want to hear us do other albums, we can certainly do that. I mean, so far as Katie has picked all the albums, so I think I got a, a couple in my back pocket that I can pull out at some point. Um, but we can talk about other things too. We can do, I mean, it doesn't have to be TV or media and that way it can be other topics. Certainly can. We're open to to having an opinion about really anything. Because we have so many opinions, it's just natural. <laughs> it's easy like Sunday morning. To have <laughs> uh, excellent. The Commodores? <laughs> yes, and also a very good fake no more cover as well. What was I just, hold on, I just lost my train of thought. Um, 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 Ben, should we make a website? Yes. All right. We'll get out. We'll discuss. <laughs> we will. Um, so buckle up because we, we're going to be having a lot more content, not only in seasons, but in special episodes. Because I think after I had to leave the last, oh, by the way, that's something I wanted to say is that I agree 100% with the choices that you and Holland made for the end of the year awards for season two. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear it. I thought you might. Yeah, no, totally. Um, but you're going to see hopefully more of Holland um, and you're going to get some Holland and Katie special episodes where they talk about things that I have not watched. Oh, I that's might- right. We're going to do a special on The Real Housewives. I might come on to just kind of be a moderator and play the Andy role and just ask questions. But, uh, Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> that, that would be about it. Well, maybe send you some videos of the key, really the key moments of The Real Housewives. If you guys are going to talk about a season, I would watch the reunion episode of that season just so I had some clue what the big plot points were. Excellent. Um, I would would sacrifice that amount of time for it. (laughs) But yeah, so we're going to be, we're just going to be doing a lot and more because we do, we have so many opinions. And although this is ostensibly a BPR podcast, that's not all it is. It's not all we are as people. No, we have many interests. We do. Many facets. Many different flavors. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Uh, buckle up, everyone. See you.